Welcome to On the Fly High School, a podcast presented by Playfly Sports. I'm your host, Chuck Schmidt. On today's episode, I'm pleased to have as my guest a really dear friend and a colleague who helped me a ton uh, when I was uh, in the association world in Arizona, a gentleman by the name of Mark Hicks, who's the Managing Director of Development Enforcement for the NCAA. Uh, Mark is a, a tremendous asset uh, for our state associations and has done a lot to really increase the communication between the NCAA and state associations with the primary purpose of really helping kids and their parents and how to navigate the waters, no matter what level of play, uh, they have the opportunity to participate in the NCAA. So with that, I wanna welcome Mark Hicks to On The Fly. Chuck. Welcome. Nice great to, to have you. How's Indianapolis today? It's great, man. It's beautiful, blue, sunny skies, a little chilly, um, yeah. but but not unordinary for this time of year. So Spring is here, brother. It's a good time. Yeah. Final four. I wish I could say baseball was starting. Can't do that, but at least we have the NCAAs coming up and uh, with conference tournaments, and I'm sure you're really busy. So thanks for taking the time today, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, Mark, we go back a real long way. Uh, you know, I had hair when we first met. Um, I think, you know, you were just coming out of law school and getting involved and, you know, being a part of and really, in a, I think you were one of the first uh, people at the NCAA that really understood and and made a concentrated effort to read out, reach out to the state associations and develop that relationship. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, you know, you came out of law school. Why the NCAA? Yeah, that's a great question, Chuck. A million years, never thought I'd want to work at the NCAA. Um, uh-huh. uh, I, I had I had a background in, in secondary education and um, came up in an education family. My mom, my mom was an educator, um, had great mentors mm-hmm. as, a, as a high school student athlete uh, that, that, you know, really had a, had a group of coaches that really helped helped our family and and took me under their wing and and so I spent almost a decade um, teaching and coaching and uh, absolutely loved loved that experience and loved my time had an opportunity to to coach um, some really great players had a lot of success on on some teams that I participated on and coached on and had a great time but I also knew that um, probably what I didn't do when I was in college was take time to be a student. And, and I was so focused on getting out and becoming a coach and getting into the workplace, I volunteered as a, as a, as a college student to coach high school football mm-hmm. and um, just was really in a, in a hurry to get out of college and, and realized probably around age 30 that um, I had some more learning to do and, mm-hmm. and was interested in exploring um, myself as, as someone who had had interests beyond education and coaching and, and ultimately um, decided to go to law school. And like a lot of law students didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, found out quickly some things I didn't want to do through <laughs> experiences uh, with, with litigators, um, you know, but it was a law school was an opportunity for me to, to again, to, I think explore myself as an individual grow and, um, 
So anyway, during that time period, um, through a network of, of people, I was introduced to lawyers here at the NCAA um, and explored the opportunity to be a law clerk here in Indianapolis and uh, kind of took a whim and they, they, they took a gamble on, on me, a non-traditional student at that point, a lot mm-hmm. older than a lot of my classmates and um, ended up law clerking here at a really fascinating time. Um, a lot of big issues were happening. Dr. Brand was the president. Mm-hmm. Um, our legal department was very narrow. We had two lawyers. Um, Indi- the, the Indianapolis office at that point was only about five years old. Mm-hmm. So it was really an interesting time. And I, and I really enjoyed the opportunity to see things at a, at a national level, the policy, how things worked. It was a first-class place, um, first-class people who really have the right interests. In so after law school, um, there, was some, there were some openings here. And uh, I applied. My, my wife happens to be from Indiana, like totally coincidental. Um, and had the opportunity to move back to Indianapolis in, um, in a full-time capacity. And it was great. So um, from there, I've, you know, I've had a number of jobs at the NCA. I've had the benefit and pleasure of working in three different departments, not counting our Office of Legal Affairs. Um, and, uh, you know, where I think where we met was yeah. with my, my primary job early on was um, looking into and reviewing some high schools is something the NCA really tried to stay out of for a long time, but we're, we're um, some high schools that um, were really on the fringe, if you will, um, uh, where the initial eligibility requirements kind of, kind of came into question. And it seemed to me, why, why wouldn't we partner or collaborate with our good friends from the high school community? And I would walk past NFHS front office every day and right. wonder why, why are we not, why are we not working with those folks and set out to do that? And, and Chuck, that's how we got to know each other. And I think yeah. I've enjoyed a really good relationship um, since then. So, well, and your education background and, and doing the coaching and really understanding, I mean, it, a lot of folks out in the community, whether, you know, it's an NCAA or a state association responsibility that we have that we, you know, it's our mission, right? Mm-hmm. They don't understand the level of complexity or the nuances. And, you know, in your role, you have done such a fabulous job of working with state associations and developing those relationships, because as questions would come up and I'll, you know, Prop 48 back in the day and, you know, the other things that are continuing to evolve, right? What are your goals and objectives when you sit down with associations or when you're asked to come and speak, it isn't always about, okay, here's what's going on. It's not just, you know, throwing out all this information. You, you have really made an effort to develop those relationships and have that contact. And and, so my question to you that people, you know, I think would be interested in is what is your goal and what are your objectives in achieving that goal when you do stuff like that? Well, I think, I think when you look at historically the relationship between the NCA national office and maybe high school associations and, and educators, it's all, it has traditionally been in, in a in a position where the national the NCA national office is talking to them about rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Here's what the rules and regulations are. I tried to flip that script. Um, there, there's an element of that. 
kids kids want to play college sports. There are rules about how how you get to do that and how you be eligible. And so that that's an important concept. But but my number one goal and objective is to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I am out speaking with 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 folks um, from your membership, state associations, high school coaches, high school educators, my first job is to listen to them. Um, and so what happens in the hallway and in the lobby and then the conversations after are ever bit as important, if not more important than what I might say when I'm at a, you know, at a podium. Right. Um, I, I try to make myself available uh, you know, more than willing to contact those folks after, if anything, to demystify maybe what happens in Indianapolis um, and, and to bring commonality. Because it is, it's education-based athletics at every level. And yeah. so, you know, it an important ally, um, but my job, Chuck, and my objectives are really to listen and to make that connection so I can be a resource. And you've done that. And, you know, over the past, you know, 120 years, let's say, you know, the turn of the century, 20th century, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson, Wood, you know, Woodrow Wilson, I think, was the president of Princeton before he became president of the United States. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was a huge concern uh, with regard to college and high school, but predominantly college with uh, equity in competition. You know, a young man might be playing on the Harvard football team and, against Brown on one Saturday, had a great game, and all of a sudden the next weekend he's at Brown. Um, you know, there were many concerns with regard to safety and actually head injuries. People actually were dying. And, you know, that really created a need for a, a body. And, and the NCAA, like many state associations, is a 501c3 voluntary membership. The schools make the rules. It's a safety oriented. And as you said, there to protect the, the premise of educationally based athletics, that it, it's not just about playing. And, you know, we are evolving, you know, I'm not going to ask you if you want to speak to it, but, you know, the big elephant in the room right now is NIL and how that's going to not only impact college, but high school. Um, we still have the concerns and the research and, and protocols for concussion Um, You know, we've addressed many outside concerns that come from Congress, legislature, parents, institutions about transfers. Um, How do you, you know, from your own pulpit, not speaking on behalf of the NCAA, but from your you've 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 been in both worlds. How do you see or what do you see as some of the challenges as we continue to evolve? Wow, I mean that's a it's a complicated question, Chuck. You threw you threw all of them out. It's not not one element in room, but a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of those I don't necessarily, um, or, or, you know, are skilled or qualified enough to speak to the to the nuances of each of those issues. But um, you know, collectively, it is evolving, um, and I think trying so one one big challenge is trying to envision athletic based, uh, I mean, education based athletics in a new world with all those things that you just talked about. Um, I can tell you that, you know, the health and safety of student athletes on both the high school side and the, you know, on the collegiate side is paramount. And um, there have been a lot of changes in recent times and over, over the last decade or and longer really um, to address a lot of those. And I think, um, 
It is important. You mentioned it briefly. It's important to remember, though, that the associations and it's the same in high school as in college. These are member associations. And so one of the challenges is helping the members in each sport. And in our level, the presidents, you got a presidential level, you got the commissioner conference level, you got the AD level, you got the head coach level, (laughs) um, you got the compliance level. There's a lot of voices, right? And there there are a lot of um, angles to each of the topics that you mentioned. And so one of the great challenges we have is, is really helping all those voices align to get things done proactively or reactively in every one of those areas that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, with all of them evolving very quickly, um, certainly the importance and the rise of the, the voice of the athlete is, um, is paramount really in all those. Um, yep. And so as, as these issues kind of settle out or evolve and, and some on faster paces than others, I think, you know, for us as an association, just managing, and it's not for us to manage, but helping manage mm-hmm. all those voices and interests and viewpoints, but we're trying to help, help the opportunity to play be as equitable as possible mm-hmm. in a world where things don't seem like that. That's the challenge in my mind. And, and I don't, I'm not sure it's that much different for the secondary school community, you know, maybe a little, um, but I think a lot of those pressures and a lot of those evolutions are now certainly residing or starting to take, take, take hold in the secondary school space as well. Um, so I, you know, I, who knows where it's going to go. Um, mm-hmm. it is, it is a fascinating time though. Oh, crazy. Happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for, from my position, and as you know, we're in the multimedia rights business, which really started in college and it, you know, it's really driven by revenue. I'm not going to, you know, hold back in the high school space though. I found our business is really evolving as well in that we, you know, my experience in the association world, having learned from people like you and other executive directors and state associations, I see our business really evolving in high school from an MMR perspective of helping provide needed resources uh, to help associations evolve. Uh, They don't have the dollars that universities do or um you know really the you know the television contracts and all of these things so from an mmr perspective in high school you know i'll continue to reach out to you uh seek counsel and try to understand but i i can only say this i know what a valuable asset you have been to the associations and you know i thank you for that as i always try to do um and and you know it's going to it's going to evolve, but you're very you know, you, you bring up some great points. The voice of the student athlete now is much stronger. And, you know, I think contrary to a lot of public opinion, whether it's in high school or college, you know, the NCAA has listened and continues to listen. Mm-hmm. But as a voluntary member organization where the schools make the rules, um, you know, it's a difficult time to sometimes address those or uh position it in a way that makes a lot of PR sense, so to speak. But yeah. So as students and parents are coming through this evolving environment, Mark, does the NCAA have resources or if there are questions in this change in these changing times, you know, 
whom should they contact or what's some advice that you would give to a, a young girl who's coming out of, you know, playing high school lacrosse, has some opportunities and is trying to figure out what's next. Where would that individual go with her parents? Well, I think strictly from the NCA perspective, I think the number one resource is the NCA eligibility center. And um, for those who, who, who may not know what that is, um, if you're old enough, Chuck, like like you and I, the term clearinghouse, the clearinghouse is, is still thrown out there from time to time. But but basically it's the department at the NCA whose job it is to, to certify student athletes' eligibility coming into to college. Um, it's, it's heavily um, relied upon by divisions one and two. There's an element of division three, two or, uh, as well. But most importantly, what they've done, and and, and they have a lot of former high school educators and, and people in the background of high school that work there. What they've done is created uh, a library of resources to help parents, student athletes, coaches, and high school administrators, uh, guidance counselors, you know, mm-hmm. athletic directors, uh, with an eye towards helping student athletes, prospective student athletes navigate that transition from being a high school player to being uh, a collegiate student athlete. So I, that that's the number one piece of advice I could give any any about anybody that I just mentioned on that continuum would be to go to the NCA.org and there's a there's a tab where you can find the eligibility center and go there. There's contact information. Kids can create a and parents can create a profile page for free that allows you to get information, um, you know, kind of behind the wall, connect with the NCA if you have specific questions. That's going to be the regulatory side, right? That, that's what are the things I have to do. From a recruiting side, the NCA is not involved in that. You know, right. um, that is, I think, building relationships with with your coaches staff. And, and my advice to parents would be have a really good sense of in a, in a real reality check. And we talked we talked about this over the years. A real reality check of of what number one, how how, how good is the student athlete, the prospective student athlete, but but ultimately, what's driving the decision making? And you know, find a place that's a good fit for the student as a student, and let right. that athletic stuff come along. And you know, I was doing a little bit of homework before this, and just trying to refresh my memory. But but the bottom line is like, like for against football, it's something like less than seven percent of all high school football players end up playing college sports, and most of those are not on scholarship, and. I think it's like less than 2% earn a scholarship, less than 2% of high school players. And I think that that number is close to a million high school football players. Right. right? 2% end up getting a scholarship. And so, well, it's great to say that some do. From a priority standpoint, I want to find a school, help my my, my child find a school that they're going to be happy being a student. And, and that's probably the greatest advice I can give. Um, the other thing is, is coaches will find you, you know, yeah. and, and it, it is amazing um, how much money families pour into youth sports, high school sports, with the hopes of continuing that education and playing on scholarship. And, um, you know, I think the data shows that scholarships are few and far between. Um, and I don't know, you know, in an NIL world, I don't know what scholarship limits are going to look like down the road. Like, you know, we're, we're the, as the business evolves, the money evolves, um, 
I don't know. We'll see. There, there, there may be less opportunity. I don't know. I don't think anybody truly knows. Um, what I do know, like, again, speaking about football, that the roster size for NFL team is 53 players. With a right. <laughs> right. Um, right now, a, divi- a division one football program has over 100 kids, 85 that are on scholarship. And I, you know, I don't know if that'll stay the same. Mm-hmm. That's no inside baseball. I, d- I think about that, though. Like, what does it look like for participation numbers? And so long way of saying, though, you know, education based athletics, the opportunity to, to play sports in college um, is, is, is still a an, an academic exercise. And so my advice to folks would be spend as much time, if not more time, finding a school that's a right fit than just trying to push to get to get kids on a on an athletic program. So, um, you know, the, the other thing, too, is the numbers really aren't that dramatically different um, for basketball, student women's basketball, men's basketball. Um, you're looking at, you know, less than 2% end up having an opportunity to, to have a scholarship. What's crazy where the numbers get even more absurd is the number of kids who actually end up playing professional sports. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very low number. It's like 1% of college student athletes in, in those revenue sports actually end up playing professional when, when 1% lower than 5% in some sports end up playing college athletics. So 1% of the 5% or 1% of the 1.2% end up playing professional sports. So, um, I hope that academic-based athletics can remain a focus of what has been built over the last hundred years. Yeah, um, it's it's truly special, and it's unlike anything else that we have here. And actually, globally, we're very unique globally. So, invite a long way of saying advice to parents is prioritize that school piece and that and that fit piece as much, if not more, than than the athletic piece. I'm going to tell you, Mark, that was perfect. I, I don't even want to add or jump on my own soapbox. He said it. Perfect, man. So my last thing here before uh, we part ways, and um, I call this the flyby, and it's just kind of something I do. It's silly. Uh, it's just who I am. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Mm. Um, I've got a, a 13 and a 10-year-old. Yeah. And- they're into Star Wars and the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and all that. So, nice. yeah. um, so what what that has enabled me to do though is probably revisit all the Star Wars movies that I watched when I was when I was their age. You know, yeah. having yeah. watched the original Star Wars um, in a movie theater and and the, you know the first three in movie theaters at their age uh, has been really fun. Um, my ten year old daughter is a big James Bond fan. Like so, we nice. watch. We watched Dr. No and Goldfinger. And um, so, you know, I, I don't know if I have a favorite movie, but right now, especially during the pandemic, finding so much time at home, not traveling. Yeah. Um, having movie nights with the family and um, being able to being able to do some of that has been been a lot of fun. You know that I, I would say that was a big blessing. Right. It was a tough, tough time, but not traveling was great. I'm yeah. just going to admit it. It was great being home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite mascot or most unique mascot you ever saw in college or high school? Um. Well, it, you know, I spent a little time at Delta State University. We, had, we were the fighting okra. 
Oh, fantastic! That's a new one. I haven't heard that. Yeah, look them up. Uh, you know, they're they're the statesmen, but their their mascot is the fighting okra. Um, oh, that's awesome. You know, as a and as a as a someone who spent a lot of time coaching high school football over the years, um, you know, had had opportunity to watch a lot of kids that I've coached go on and play at other places. So yeah. I, I don't tend to have a favorite, but uh, um, enjoy watching you know, kids get to play at all these different places. It's been a lot of fun. It's awesome. Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough for, for being with you and having the time today. And honestly, uh, I, I want to say this on behalf of all of us high school folks, thanks for doing what you do. Uh, you know, they're fighting the fight, whether, you know, it's an understaffed, you know, office or trying to make sure we're doing the right things for kids. You've always been there. And, and I say that, with a full heart. I mean, it's just the truth. And thanks for that. And, and providing your insights today. And in closing, if, if any of you are interested in joining our team or partnering with Playfly, please go to playfly.com, learn more about our company and opportunities, and also watch for future podcasts of On The Fly High School, where we'll continue to talk with leaders and innovators in our sports community. Looking forward uh, to have you join us for our next segment of On the Fly High Schools presented by Playfly Sports. Mark, again, thank you and God bless my friend. Be Thanks, well. Chuck. Appreciate it, man. You're the best. Appreciate you. Cheers, Cheers brother.